0: Thank you for listening to our Love Pono, Love Pono podcast. This topic today will focus on relationship abuse. This can be difficult or triggering to listen to even if you have not been in a similar situation. Please take care of yourself and visit our website for more resources at www.livera.org.au/lovepono. Hi everyone! Welcome to the Lift Pono, Love Pono podcast. We are a podcast that focuses on creating and building healthy relationships. Love Pono's mission is to provide a safe environment to help the community build and maintain healthy relationships through education, intervention, campus and community resources, and counseling. We educate our community through events, social media campaigns, and workshops to cultivate a campus culture of responsibility and respect, ultimately preventing interpersonal violence. We're excited to have you here today for today's podcast. Aloha and welcome to another episode of Live Pono, Love Pono, where we tackle essential and often complex topics that impact countless lives. Today, we have an extraordinary guest who will be shedding light on a topic that deserves our full attention, domestic violence. This issue affects individuals and families across the globe, and we must engage in meaningful conversations to raise awareness and promote change. We are very honored to have Juliet Leiter-Cam with us today, a passionate advocate and expert in domestic violence. Her dedication to helping survivors and deep knowledge of this subject makes her an invaluable resources for our discussion. You are grateful for Juliet for joining us and her commitment and efforts to create a safer and more compassionate world for all. Mahalo Juliet for being here with us today.
1: Oh, aloha, I love that introduction. I feel like now I have to live up to this amazing standard. So thank you so much. <laughs> yes. and in- um, Julie, can you just share
0: with us just a little bit more about your background, um, especially about your organization, WSO, and just just give us the audience a little bit more brief introduction about who you are and, and your, um, your organization.
1: Yes, absolutely. So Women Speaking Out, or as we go by WSO, just a better way to brand it. I created it back in 2008. Uh, I was a survivor of dating violence. My first abusive relationship happened in high school. I was 15 15 to 18. And then I found myself obviously in a violent cycle of abusive relationships going into college and, and into my 30s. Uh, Fast forward, you know, I won this coveted title being Miss Hawaii USA and representing the state of Hawaii at Miss USA. And so it gave me this public podium to be able to speak about dating violence, a topic that nobody wants to talk about, especially local. If you're born and raised here, it's one of those that you sweep it under the rug and it's taboo. And I just thought like, this is a topic we need to be talking about. And uh, went back to school, I got my master's in uh, public relations and I started WSO at the age of 26. Fast forward, we've evolved, we have four different educational programs and really our goal is not just to empower women and survivors like myself, but we are all about educating the next generation. So teaching students about dating violence, about mental health, critical life skills, and of course my favorite, self-love.
0: Oh, right on. And I love, I just love hearing about your organization and seeing how much different factors that you guys are addressing and helping to build the community, especially here in Hawaii. I know you mentioned about um, taboo and stuff, and we're going to get yes. into that a little bit more because okay. definitely a, a big point in our community. But also, can you just share a little bit about domestic violence and the impact it has on individuals and families or also here in our local communities?
1: Yes, of course, you know, I can bring it back to, you know, women ages 16 to 24 experience the highest rate of dating violence, right? I was one of those statistics here in our state, uh, high school students, one in 10 have experienced physical violence by a dating partner. Domestic violence, dating violence, intimate partner violence, whatever you want to call it affects everyone in our society, you can't turn away. It's a it's one of those silent epidemics that keeps on growing. But being a survivor myself and having to go through every type of abuse, whether it's physical, mental, emotional, uh, digital abuse, financial abuse, you know, I realize that it's really prevention is key. We need to be educating our students, our keiki, about what a healthy versus unhealthy relationship looks like. And we are the only nonprofit in the state of Hawaii that strictly focuses on being proactive. So we're all about educating and giving students tools, uh, preventative tools, so that they don't end up in an abusive relationship, so that they make better decisions, so they realize and know just how much they're worth. Because at the end of the day, it comes down to what is my worth? do i love myself because if i can love myself that's what i'm going to portray that's what i'm going to put out to to other people they're going to treat me the way i treat myself so i think that i'm a i'm a huge educational advocate and for us our tagline is simple prevention is key
0: wow you brought a mm-hmm. lot of great points especially about prevention so
1: mm-hmm.
0: attacking it in a way where um you're you're trying to prevent it before it happens and giving them absolutely skills that helps prevent, you know, that people can have early signs and and be like, hey, I've learned about this through this organization and the speakers talked about um, signs and and that is something that is so key, you know, education Mm -hmm. and bringing that to the community, especially how you said in a topic that is sometimes silent. And it's Mm -hmm. like, we got to talk about it. We got to bring awareness so thank you so much for bringing that up. And one thing I really like is that you talked about, sometimes in my case, when I didn't know anything about it, I just thought it was physical abuse, right? And then right. during my time in social work, the first thing we learn is power and control. And there's different factors. There's there's so
1: many, so abuse, many.
0: Right. And you brought up financial abuse and and just more. There's so much. And it's just like, it was, wow, it was... Just to see that these things that we kind of don't look at, you know, like financial abuse or emotional abuse, just seeing that these topics, sometimes people don't know they, they might. They,
1: right. Yeah, you're right. And they don't know. it. And thank you for bringing that up. And I, I tell people right when I share my story, because my story can be really graphic, but I say, you know, I'm still I'm in my 40s and I'm still healing from the emotional and the mental abuse. Mm-hmm. of someone constantly telling me, you're not worth anything, no one's going to love you, you're this, and it was the constant put downs, right, that I don't care how strong of a person, you're the most beautiful person, the most successful, we know that dating violence is not discriminatory.
2: Mm-hmm.
1: It affects you in a way that it it hits your core. And, um and it's painful, you know, and, and that's why when I go into the schools, I can recognize it. And when I talk to students, and I share my experience. I feel like that breaks the ice. And I do, it's important for me to let them know, like, hey, just because you're not being hit, that doesn't mean you're not in an unhealthy relationship. And then, yes, like you said, we go down, you know, unfortunately, now with social media and the internet, we have digital abuse that's happening in dating violence. And, it, and, it, and it's sad. And But I don't know if you guys have watched uh, the series The Maid on Netflix, You guys have to watch it. I started
2: it. I only watched a couple episodes of it. And yeah, my boyfriend loves it. So I need to finish it. He's going to love that you brought it up. Okay, cool. Alex, you
1: you need to, you both need to finish it. It's because it really tackles the issue of domestic violence, just from the verbal and the emotional aspect. There's no physical violence. But I feel like in the work that you guys are in, the amazing work that you two young individuals are doing, got to finish it. It's a binger you got to watch it
2: <laughs> no it's so interesting you brought it up because you know i i've i've had you know my own experiences with uh domestic abuse and i'm in a really great healthy relationship now thankfully mm. it took, t- took me long enough but, <laughs> but like I, very similar to um it seem, seems similar to um the story you said where it was started very young and then started and then ended up a cycle until 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 i was 30. um but you know i'm I'm on the, on the other side of it now so it's oh, really great yes. but, but, but yeah i remember watching it and and you know just being like wow this is how it is this is how it is and you know at one point um you know jay said uh how how do people like deal with this how do people put up with this like how, mm-hmm. how do you not realize you know and and know. and 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 i told him like that's like uh, you're so lucky to have the privilege to say that because that's mm-hmm. just it, it's it's a cycle, like you said. You just end up getting stuck, and like yes. you said, there's so yes. many different ways to abuse the financial mm-hmm. abuses. Well. So, any way that someone controls you is abusive. So yes. I really, really appreciate you, you, you. Yes, we should. Everyone should see you, the maid. That's great. You
1: yes you you have to you have to finish it. And you know, going off of what your boyfriend asked, and I'm so happy that you're in a healthy relationship. You deserve it. You both deserve it. Um, You know when people ask me that question, like how did you take it or why did you stay? I'm sure, Alex, you can resonate with this. At that point, I just felt broken, like literally broken down, emotionally, mentally. That I had no concept of what it meant to love myself or even feel worthy. That anyone treating me badly, it was just the norm, and I took it because I was immune to it. And I'm sure. That's what a lot of victims are going through right now, and a lot of survivors. So you know, it's something that you guys we can shed a light on, right? That there's hope. There's always hope.
0: So good, and just just talking about this this vision of hope. Um, we're gonna talk a little bit later about it, but I just love how you just brought all these these um personal points where it says you know they make you feel like oh you're nothing and talking about mm-hmm. bringing in the topic of um, self-worth and you know what mm-hmm. what how, what am I worth and what does this mean to me and so I really appreciate you sharing about that and kind of how you you pointed out that this does not discriminate which more from any background it can impact anyone so mm-hmm. I would like to talk a little bit dive into like what are some myths and conceptions you have heard about domestic violence?
1: Oh, yeah, that's a great question. You know, I think when we first started WSO, people didn't understand it. As we evolved and were like, oh, we're all about prevention and education, they're like, so you're not helping survivors. And I think the myth back then, this is 2008, 2009, was that domestic violence only happened to, I want to say older people, because I was a youngin back there, to older people, people that are married. Uh, but it's not true. Research shows, and you guys know this, in the last, six years we are seeing dating violence happening at preteens that's 13 years old 14 15 into high school into college and then it's becoming a pattern so i think for me that's the biggest myth that i heard um and and i think it's it's not an, a myth but it would be a comment that i would hear a lot going off of what alex had said earlier like why did you stay you know you're 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 being treated badly you're getting abused You're thinking. But when you're in that situation, it's, it's easier said than done. I never, ever, when I meet someone who is coming out of an abusive relationship, who's a survivor, who's still in it, I never say, why are you staying, right? It's, how are you feeling? Like, what emotions are coming up for you? Like, how can I support you? And I think that was, for me, not a myth, but it was one of the most hurtful things because it just felt like the biggest judgmental statement. Why did you stay? Why didn't you leave? And so, for me, those statements, I hate it. <laughs> but I'm working through it, and and that's why, you know, like I the way that WSO that we run it, it's really a family, and when we go in, it's about pouring love into the students and letting them know like you're not a mistake. Just because you're in this abusive relationship or unhealthy or toxic, you're not the problem. You need to understand that, yes, it is an issue. It is something that we need to take care of, but you're, not the problem. And I don't know, Alex, if you can relate to that, but I would get that so much and it would really hurt me. And then I became angry about it. I'm like, no, I need to speak out and let people know. It's not that easy to get out of an abusive relationship.
2: Well, I love that question of, you know, how are you feeling? Because I feel like, you know, kind of looking back to, you know, when when I was in the situations and you're in this, like, sort of just like, (laughs) kind of lost mental state almost and yes. when someone asks you why are you staying or or if you or if you ask yourself even why are you staying, mm-hmm. you're staying you're going to come up with a bunch of reasons and there's going exactly. to be reasons and they're going to seem valid at that moment so if you can ask somebody a question as introspective as how are you feeling it seems so simple but it actually is a lot deeper than that um mm-hmm. i think that makes a lot more sense i really really appreciate that advice yes. i think a lot of people could use that. thank you,
1: yeah. they they missed that step. You know, No one asked me when I was going through all my abusive relationships, not once, how are you feeling? You know, and it was just like, and as I look back, and so that became a, a sensitive point for me that now anytime I meet a woman, a male, a student, I'm you know, I, I go through the process and it takes me back, which I'm sure I, it takes you back. Um, and it triggers some things and I remember like okay if I was this person and I was that person 20 years ago how how would I want someone to love on me how would I want someone to support me in this fragile moment so
0: thank you for sharing that and also with with you Alex thank you for sharing that and incorporating mm-hmm. that in and then with that I will let Alex start with section two and um uh, mm-hmm. talk more about it
2: Sure. Yeah, no, it's been really great to hear a little bit about, um, you know, the
0: background
2: of what um, WSO does and sort of just uh, obviously when things like this, when you're able to sort of take control of your life in such a way where you can help others, I think that's really key. That would be something that I strive for. It's, you know, kind of, I think what we do with Love Pono. So it's just really appreciated. Um, So I, I, I thank you for that. Um, In general, you know, we mentioned self-love and something at Love Pono we talk about a lot is, you know, just being in tune with yourself, checking in with yourself. Like you said, how like wondering how you're feeling, what in your work. I mean, the answer is going to be obvious to some, but the the idea of people's mental health having you know, it taking a toll. Like, what do you mm-hmm. see with that? What What are the consequences that we're seeing? Ha- have they changed in the past years? You know, now that more, more social media is involved, I, like, what, what are we seeing with all of that? I,
1: I can speak from a perspective of a student perspective, right? In the last couple of years, we're in the schools, we're doing student events, and uh, COVID was not nice to domestic violence, right? We saw Cases spike and incidences raise and just, you know, now men and women are trapped with their abusers. It just wasn't a great environment. And then you had students who are not able to go to school and be social and maybe also be in a safe environment because home was not a safe environment, whether they're seeing their parents being abusive or unkind to one another or whoever they're living with, or they're seeing a, a sibling do it to their girlfriend or boyfriend. So the the mental health, I mean, as I, again, I take the temperature of the students and we actually just did a leadership conference at Farrington High School uh, two weeks ago, and we had about 80 students. And that was a topic that came up a lot because we always like to put it back on the students. So anytime we come in and we do a presentation and we did one on self-love, We put it back on them like, you know, what are you guys struggling with? And it was um, being bullied on social media. You know, that's a big thing that digital abuse that we talk about. Digital abuse is not just in the dating relationship, but students doing it to one another and posting things that are not true and just harassment. It's really harassment, right? Suicide came up. Students are not feeling heard. That came up a lot with students that they don't even feel heard from their parents. And when they've tried to bring up topics like I'm feeling depressed, I'm feeling lost. Um, I want to take my own life. Parents don't know how to consult or just provide support for their child. And that's not to the fault of a parent. It's a difficult topic. So I feel like in the realm of of mental health and again, speaking from the student perspective, um, our goal would be in the future to expand services, not just for our students, right? To love on them and pour in, and bring in different professionals like Love Pono, but to also provide resources for counselors, teachers, and parents. Like, hey, here's here's a, here's a quick sheet, a quick sheet of love that you can pour into your child if your child should come into this situation. So yes, mental health was a huge topic. Suicide, self-image, bullying on, on social media. I mean, it's just... Social media is a beautiful thing, but it's also a very scary thing. It can be used for the wrong means, as we all know.
2: Thank you. And you just Mm -hmm. touched on something super important, Um, I think, you know, very similar in the reins of when people um, ask the wrong question of how did you stay, Um, you know, parents' reaction or family's reaction to mental health concerns like you said, it's not really their fault of their own. And I agree in the sense where I think like with all traumas, things are generational and, yes. you know, these parents, yes. yeah, these th- that's how they, they, I mean, you know, our parents, I mean, my, my parents is as, as 30, you know, my parents are in their fifties. Well, let's, let's say people are in their twenties, people in their twenties, <laughs> parents, you know, they, 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 they grew up um, with, with you, 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 you couldn't express that emotion, Mm-mm. you know, like you could, you mental health wasn't a thing. And it was a lot of times it was joked about, um, ex- yes. ex- especially yes. particularly in the, you know, nineties. So that's why a lot mm-hmm. of times you do see like, um, uh, you know, um, millennial parents and Gen X parents really kind of reject the idea and sort of, oh, it's just a Gen Z thing, mental health. No, it's mm-hmm. not. It's actually people like so people really
1: <laughs> to
0: take charge.
2: Yeah. And, um, and you know, that's one thing I always say is like, um it's it's interesting being you know uh i returning to college as an adult and 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 a lot of my classmates are of a generation younger than me but and so it's just very different the dynamics and that is one thing that i always respect them for they are so in tune with their mental health and they make no apologies for it and you know that's another reason i love to be a part of the pono and a part of you know a, a college committee like this because i'm able to see just this combination of great ideas from the people in the inner workings of, you know, how this community runs and the people that are in the community that need the help and the assistance. So I just think that's such a, a really super important um, thing that you bring up when you talk about um, how sometimes parents aren't that helpful with it. Um, it's not mm-hmm. just in this situation, it's not just the kids that need to be, you um, you know taught we all need it's a people thing like you said we all need to kind of learn these lessons and be mindful and in tune with ourselves um Mm -hmm. but speaking of parents and in general so another another topic I wanted to learn about is what about children who witness domestic violence in their homes what is the outcome of that what work have you done in regards to that um yeah, just t- take me through that because I know that's a whole other complication in so many ways in their safety mm-hmm. and just what it teaches them about what a healthy relationship could be. So I'm very interested in your opinion.
1: Right. So I think it's something that w- women speaking W so we don't deal with because, again, we're on the education side, right? We're on the prevention side. But being in the schools and talking with students throughout the years that I've met who have experienced domestic violence, dating violence at home, it's one or two things. They either are very um, insecure, they're very uh, reserved, they isolate themselves because they're so traumatized from seeing this violence at home, whether it's physical, it's verbal, it's financial, it's emotional, it's probably all of it, right, combined. Or they go the opposite way and they become an abuser themselves. I've also seen that. Uh, with a young man I met a couple years ago you know he was 16 and um, initially I had met his girlfriend through our program and she was speaking about how she's in a very unhealthy relationship and um, and she was like oh actually my boyfriend's here too so I got to meet the boyfriend and just to hear the perspective and as I got to talk with this young man um, you know there was no judgment on my end because I understand it's generational but you see and as I spoke to him and just heard his story, you know, he was abused as a child ever since he can remember. And then he would constantly watch his dad physically assault his mother, physically assault his siblings. And so he thought, like you said, it's generational that this is just what we do. And sometimes that is a hard cycle to break, right? That's something that I feel like you can give them the preventative tools, but it's also something that they really need to seek some deep, sensitive therapy to really get that out because that's something that will never just go away. It'll constantly be there. It'll bring up triggers. But what we can do is empower this young man to know like there's another way. You don't need to be like your father. You can be better. Yes, you've seen it. You've been abused yourself. So take him back to those feelings. Remember what you felt. Remember that pain and that hurt is that something that you want to inflict on other people? So that's probably the closest story that I can share with you in regards to that question because we don't really deal too much with victims of survival. you know, we're more on the prevention side and in the schools.
2: Well, that was a great answer. No, thank no. you. Yeah, I mean, I, I I, just was curious sort of how it intertwines occasionally and because I'm mm-hmm. sure naturally it does. Um, right. So thank you, right. I really appreciate that. Thank I'm sure a lot people resonate with that. Mm-hmm. I will pass the mic over to Chris now. <laughs>
0: Thank you. Oh my gosh, that was filled with a lot of and I'm just um just how you said about it's still an ongoing process of healing. So I definitely resonated mm-hmm. with that, especially with generational trauma. Um, just realizing that I've I've grew up in generational trauma. Mm-hmm. How do I how do I promote or express healthy love when I never really experienced it growing up
1: exactly so exactly how, how
0: can I give love when I really didn't experience love growing up mm-hmm. um, I was I was raised more more by my grandmother who really mm-hmm. didn't let's just say um who really didn't show me the signs of healthy love it was a lot of abuse recognizing that mm-hmm. abuse can can not only come from unhealthy like romantical relationships but also mm-hmm. family relationships and that that took a big toll and so realizing that even, even, even though it happened when I was seven, I'm 26 and I'm still healing. It's an ongoing
1: exactly. process.
0: And I, I think like organizations like your organization and like, um, Plano and, and just other organizations in the communities that. Bring education because i didn't know i didn't know i thought it was okay i thought it was like oh that's okay that's just how my grandma treats me (laughs) you know but then i can relate (laughs) culturally i said well that's what you know you know salsa everything but there's like a difference you know it's how do i how do i recognize when that's kind of like embedded in my culture you know because especially pacific islander like um, a lot of gender roles we have a lot of um we have a lot of um, respect your elders. But what mm-hmm. happens when you're respecting an elder who's also abusing you, you know, how, how do you not right. do that?
1: So th- that? That's hard. That, right? That's a good point. you were, And thank you for bringing that up because it sparks my mind. Local culture, right? Uh, Pacific Islander, Asian, because, you know, my mom is Filipino, Japanese, you know, mix, mixed plate. And then my dad is blonde hair, green eyes, love him to death. But growing up, you know, I was raised, my dad was a single parent and I was raised by my grandparents on local side. Same thing. I mean, local, we got Lickens until we were in high school. Now, honestly, guys, it's considered child abuse for real. So I can relate. And that was grandma, grandpa and, and growing up, but it was generational because that's how they were raised. You know, it wasn't, I think looking back like you, 70, borderline, it's very abusive. But again, we're taught to respect our elders. You don't bring anything up. You're not being abused mental, you know, all of those topics. It was, it was just taboo. And then if you did bring it up, then you were being disrespectful and then you would get lickings for bringing it up. Right. So, you know, it's just, it's the right. It's the local culture. Like, Oh my gosh, like any way you go, you're just going to be wrong. So I can relate to that being the Asian and the local and the Pacific Islander, you know, we, and we see all of our friends going through it, right. We're all getting lickings and it's just, That's just what it was, but now, thankfully, it's not okay. And we need to work together, Love Pono, Women Speaking Out, other organizations to change society's views. And I know that's going to be hard. It's not going to happen today. It's not going to happen in one day, but the more efforts we can pour out there, uh, providing these preventative tools, doing a podcast, like what you guys are doing, just to give people knowledge, where people can come on and explain and share their stories about what they've been through. But yes, it was traumatic, but that's, it doesn't need to be the way. So I think we're, it's going to be a big task, but we're all working in the right direction. You know? Thank you for
0: sharing that. It, the main, something just popped in my head and the main thing that popped up was collaboration and just also breaking, breaking the silence. That's kind of where we're tying it into our next session is that um, it it, takes, it's not gonna happen overnight how you shared, mm-hmm. but just like doing these things, bringing that, that education awareness and, and giving people the tools they need, letting them know that this is accessible so that you can, you can see it, you can join us for events or do workshops. So it's super awesome. And tying it into breaking the silence, can you just share and highlight some stigma? I know um, the point of shame that often surrounds domestic, uh, domestic violence.
1: Oh, yes, I am. I am a product of shame. You know, we did a mini documentary last year where I talked about my story, which I hadn't talked about in years. And I always tell people I feel like women and I'm speaking as a woman that I felt shamed twice, one for being abused, and then two for speaking out about it. Because you know, you get have the people that when you do come out, people are asking questions, and they're empathetic. And then again, like I spoke uh, to earlier is you have the other people that are saying well why didn't you get out like very judgmental and do this and um and it's a hard place to be and I can say I carry that shame with me for almost 40 years of feeling um, being feeling dirty because I was abused feeling um, incompetent and weak because I couldn't get out of an abusive relationship and multiple abusive relationships as I I look back, I feel like, oh, my God, all those years that went by. And so I carried all this shame. And so when we came out with this mini documentary uh, last year that I'll share with you guys, you know, I said and I, I took people through my life of being raised um, from a single parent, being on welfare, growing up in Waipahu in the Pupu if you don't know that it's right next to Waipahu Intermediate, very not good area, <laughs> uh, not safe area. And then, you know, having tickets to catch a city bus and just going through all these struggles, um, being in multiple abusive relationships, but I own it. And that was my whole point to everybody is that I'm owning my own story. So you got to own yours. And I think at some point, as a survivor, as a victim, we have to learn to release the shame because that shame will consume you. And I can guarantee you, every person that has experienced some type of abuse shame is a big part it's a big component of it Um, but it's you know it took me years to go through that process of shedding and just working on myself and that work came from the self-care the self-love and uh you know we all know the love languages right for couples that book that everyone reads i'm not sure if you guys read it um words of affirmation physical touch quality time well our board we just did a really cool exercise one of my board members keilana she's a nahoku hanohana award artist she's an amazing musician and she's just a um she did this beautiful team build on self-love but she took us through the love languages but focused on ourselves so for example uh physical touch not physical touch for your partner but physical touch so how are you loving yourself so for me you know i like to get massages that's my my thing you guys as you get older i'm like oh my god my daily thing but it's also very healing you know I started doing acupuncture I really started pouring into my health doing daily walks doing swims that was my physical touch and my love language to myself the other one words of affirmation right you know whether it's it's saying a a gratitude um, mantra every day or it's doing a vision board or it's being able to look into the mirror and we tried doing this yesterday And how many of us can look into the mirror and tell ourselves, I love you? If you would have asked me years ago, five years, even three years ago, I would never genuinely be able to say that I love myself. And that's because I carried so much shame of being abused, shame of speaking out, shame of like this and shame of this person. And it just, it was too much. But once you can release it and really start practicing those love languages on yourself, oh gosh. It's liberating, very liberating.
0: I love how you shared about the love languages being practiced on yourself. I and that's something I also have to work on because when I thought about love languages, I always, in some sense, would think, "Oh, this is this is my love language, and this is what I want in my partner's love language, or something like that." So just changing that narrative and saying, mm-hmm. "You know, my love languages. How do I incorporate that so that I can take better care of myself?" Either mentally, physically, spiritually. So I love that you're pouring those those um, love languages to yourself. And and what better place to start with yourself?
1: <laughs> yes, yes.
0: Yes, and I was looking more towards um, breaking the silence around domestic violence. And what advice, because um, I know you shared before, but what advice do you ha- have for anyone experiencing domestic violence, or they're unsure how to seek help or escape their situation?
1: Yes. The first thing I would tell them is speak to someone that they can trust, right? Whether it's a friend, it's a family member, maybe not a professional because they're not at that level, but speak to someone that they can trust because, you know, we know when you're in an abusive relationship, when it, what's one of the biggest things is isolation, right? That partner tries to isolate you from family and friends, people that really care about you, um, where you become their only source of love, their only source of um, affirmation and, and that you're worthy. So I think that would probably be my best advice is to talk to someone that you just feel that they're going to listen to you without judgment that's a big thing.
0: Yes, thank you for sharing that, especially, um, I know we talked about shame and maybe fear of judgment, so having just not, sometimes just that one person that you trust that you can share this with, and especially in a safe place, I know you talked about isolation, so maybe they might be living with the abuser still, and and, or they're working on um, safety planning to leave, so just bringing up about um, making sure that you're in a safe environment as well when you're talking to somebody who you is yes. safe as well. Super important, and, and I'll pass the mic back to Alex.
2: Thank you so much. Yeah, I've been learning so much and just resonating and feeling inspired. And so this has been such a great conversation so far. Um, I know you spoke of earlier, you know, you still, there's still lasting effects of what happened to you. You know, you still deal with every day. and. know i'm listening to that feeling the same way and you know always wondering is it ever gonna stop so um you know i'm 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 just i i I guess the answer is you know nothing ever really stops right like everything Mm -hmm. everything comes in waves and cycles in life so in that regard what do you have any strategies for folks who are dealing with abusive situations and and they're, they're they're looking to safely find support
1: yeah, I for me, you know, I would say as simple as it sounds, right? Because I people, they want the magical answer, like, how am I going to get out of this? How do we stop this? But I would say that you got to pour into yourself first, whatever that means, right? pour into yourself first because, you know, I come across a lot of um, cases and a lot of incidences where, Um, mothers are reaching out, students are reaching out for friends, right? I I know someone, they're in a very abusive relationship. How do I get them out? And the answer that I always give them is they don't want to hear it, right? They don't want, because we really can't do anything until that person says, I'm ready. I'm, I'm physically, I'm mentally, I'm ready to leave this situation. And I don't know what it was for you, Alex, but, you know, it took for me, you know, I was 17 when my high school boyfriend, Had brutally beaten me, and I'm I'm in the hospital bed in the emergency. You know, I have two uh, broken ribs. You know, I have a fractured collarbone. You know, I have a black eye, and I'm I'm lying there, and I was like, I physically can't take anymore. I obviously mentally, emotionally, and so I never wanted to get to that point for someone else that you have to be beaten so bad that you finally realize this is not healthy. I have to lead or. I'm going to lose my life. You know, I never want it to come to that. But, and I want to say, as a survivor, there's no right answer, right? I can say what I did. I can share my testimony and say, hey, this is what helped me get through it. But there's no really perfect answer because every situation is different. The abuse that's happening, their surroundings. Um, so it's hard to answer that question. It's a very sensitive question, but it's a great um, question so I'm sorry I wasn't able to give that perfect answer but I can only speak to my experiences and what I've been through and what took me over the top which I never want anyone to have to go through and that's why I started WSO I never wanted another woman or male to have to go through another man to have to go through what I went through
0: no
2: that's great I think it was was a, a perfectly uh, appropriate answer just considering <laughs> like you said it, it's it's it it varies you know mm-hmm. so it everyone's individual story is different. But I think that's, Mm -hmm. you know, why things like this podcast and things like discussions about this are so important because you know, you could have somebody who, and again, for other people who haven't gone through through similar situations, they think, oh, well, of course, they should know they're in an abusive situation. But you could have people who literally just don't know they're in an abusive situation. Yes, they are. They just are so used to it. Be it it was the cycle they saw, be it it was just normalized. Or, mm-hmm. um, one thing we talk about a lot is gaslighting and how, oh, yeah. a lot of times the abuser will will make. You think that you're the one abusing, and it's it just it gets a little it gets a little um uh uh, you know for lack of a better word crazy (laughs) yeah
0: it does it just gets gets it gets
2: chaotic chaotic um when it comes to trying to hold abusers accountable you know they uh it I think that's the hardest part because for whatever reason I'm not excusing any abusers, but with a lot with a lot of them, like we said, it's that cycle. So really, they honestly, this behavior may be normal to them. It doesn't mean it shouldn't be stopped. It doesn't mean it shouldn't be addressed. But it does mean is they need a wake up call and they need to be accountable. And I think that's so difficult. So what, what do you think about, you know, the importance of holding abusers accountable for their actions? And how often do you see that becoming an issue?
1: Sadly it's always an issue. I feel like especially in in Hawaii like I feel ab- abusers aren't held accountable. You know when I had my court case 20 plus years ago, my ex-boyfriend walked away. They found him not guilty. I couldn't believe it. Testimonies, pictures of, you know, em- the emergency room and just my injuries and he literally walked away. No jail time. Uh didn't pay for any medical just it was I couldn't believe it. I was 18 years old and I just thought, gosh, this system has failed me. I know obviously over the last couple of years, things have improved, but I feel like we're Hawaii is so much slower in the process. And maybe that's my sensitive point and that's my trigger that you know I didn't get justice. I feel like me and my family, we didn't get justice, but I see that a lot and it makes me sad. So then what do we do? Are we do we lobby more? do obviously we need stricter laws like what does it take all I can think about and what motivates me and why I'm so passionate about educating students about dating violence is helping these future generations because we have to change something so whether we're we're speaking to the young women and men that could be potential victims or we're speaking to the men and women who are actually seeing abuse at home and could be the potential abusers we need to like you say because we need to change the narrative we need to change societal views. We need to keep going and not stop because this is a problem that is not getting smaller. It just keeps getting bigger. But there's hope. There's hope. But there's so many different aspects to it. And um, we're taking it one day at a time. We're, we're the warriors here. You know, we're in the trenches, guys. <laughs> the topic nobody wants to talk about. But you know what? I will forever talk about it because I feel I represent the women and men that have lost their lives that were killed because of dating violence, the women that right now are silenced because they can't speak out because of the, they're living with their abusers or whatever, or they're financially tied to them that they feel like there's no other hope. I will continue to speak out for that because um, it's a fight and it's a fight that won't stop. So, got a little bit emotional by doing that. <laughs> Yeah. what what, what, no, what? was that
2: yeah I, I did i did get a little emotional there um yeah. i i I, uh, yeah. I i do you know i do think you're saving lives um and i know that to hear that it can it can seem like such a huge weight and responsibility but you know like you and others you know who want to just press these issues have these conversations and like you said not stop. Like you're not going to yeah. stop telling your story. I think that's so important, so inspiring, and I and I do think it's saving lives. I'm 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 confident in it. Um, you sort of bring up a really good uh, point about you know you're doing this advocacy, you're doing this educational sessions, um, but in the the end of the day, I think we all know that like the language needs to change, the terminology needs to change, just mm-hmm. people's mentalities needs to change, just the role in society is actually is is sometimes like uh sometimes society takes a role where like you know they'd rather not talk about it they'd rather cover it or like you said lots of shame I know with um Mm -hmm. one of my abusive situations when I was younger there was a lot of shame with my parents you know let's not talk about let's not ruin somebody's life you know Mm -hmm. that sort of thing so what do you think about the role of society what what do you think else needs to be done I mean of course we already hit on it but like if there were just like maybe three bullet points of like like people need to change their their how they speak about this this and that like what would you say mm-hmm.
1: you know i i'm i'm going to keep it simple education 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 right whether it's educating people um on dating violence because there are a lot of myths that people still don't see or realize that dating violence is happening every day one in 3 women are abused every single day around the world Again, women ages 16 to 24 experience the highest rate of dating violence. Over 50% of college women have expressed that they've been raped or abused before the age of 21. So not talking about it is the worst thing we can do. So it's education, 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 not only just education for our students, but education for our parents, education for our educators, and education for our leaders are state leaders, right? Who still when bills come through about having stricter laws about dating violence or or TROs or all these things, I don't think I truly believe, and again, I'm a survivor, so I'm gonna be sensitive to this. I don't believe they have all the facts because it's so easy to stand there and say, oh, it's not a problem, because you haven't been a victim of dating violence. You haven't had a family member experience dating violence. So they can't conceptualize that, wow, this is happening. But I mean, thankfully, right, all we can say is thankfully to social media, the Me Too movement, all these different things, there, there are initiatives, right, that are coming out that are, are being or just giving this platform to everyone, where you don't have to be shame anymore, you can be anonymous, but you can chime in and you can share your story and say, hey, you know what, I was abused too, or I, I was raped too, or I experienced this. And that I think is a beautiful thing. But for me, I'm, I'm just gonna, my three bullet points are gonna be education, 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 um, because it's what I truly believe will change the trajectory of this silent, but yet very big epidemic that's happening all over the world and not just in Hawaii.
0: Thank you for sharing that. And the main point about education, education, because very true. We need to be educated on this topic. Just how you said, um, different people have different different experiences, and how do we further expand so that we can help um, provide resources for each 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 person that comes to seeking help. And yes. I I love how you said about education not only for us um, as people who share. Um, awareness and bringing um our advocates but also for our leaders which is super important they have a lot of power um but we also our stories have a lot of power and share being able to own our story how you said owning our story letting us release it at the same time and finding that within these stories you're not alone other people have stories too Mm -hmm. and and within stories they're so powerful and they push to change the narrative. So thank Mm -hmm. you so much for for bringing awareness and sharing that with us. And kind of like we're closing in, but um, I just wanna ask you one last question is, what is one message of hope or empowerment you would like to share with survivors or those affected by domestic violence?
1: Yes, I would say don't let any abuse or traumatic situation that has happened in your life stifle your voice. I truly believe that women we need to speak up, speak out and speak love and that's our vision statement of women speaking out. You know, this the speak up is being able to speak up when you when you know that something is wrong. And we all have a really good gut feeling, right? I feel like Women, we have that gut feeling where we, we know something is wrong, but we don't say anything because of societal norms and we're, and we're afraid and that shame. Uh, speak love, speaking love for yourself. That's where the self-love, the self-care strategies coming in, using the self-love language and languages and really pouring it into yourself. And not, it's not just about a relationship because we know if you're not good, if you don't love yourself, if you're not happy, you can't love somebody else. It just doesn't work that way. Um, and then um, speaking out, you know, if there's something that you're passionate about, you're a survivor, and maybe you can't speak out in the way where it's public, but maybe it's serving, maybe it's volunteering, maybe it's working, and just being able to share your story with other survivors or or, or students. But I truly believe in the, those, those three words, you know, speak up, speak out and speak loud.
2: I appreciate that a lot. Um, before before we wrap up, I did want to ask you, are there any like events or campaigns that WSO is starting soon? And could please just plug plug them, you know, people want to yes. know. Like this is your opportunity. <laughs>
1: oh, thank you guys so much. Again, so happy and honored to be on Love Pono. I've heard so many great things about this podcast. So truly to be sitting here with both of you is it, it was on my bucket list, believe it or not. So thank you. Um, so Women Speaking Out, we are launching a new donor campaign that started yesterday, October first, And we're tying it into the statistic that I've mentioned several times throughout the podcast that women ages 16 to 24 experience the highest rate of dating violence in the US. So we are launching a new campaign where people were asking for the support of Hawaii to donate and sign up for gifting $16 a month, it comes out to $192 for the year. But with that, your $16 will educate two students every month, that's 24 students for the whole year. And you're spending under 100, I mean, under $200, right? So it's really like, okay, it's like two Starbucks coffees. But we're asking you to maybe not have two Starbucks coffees in, in October and put that towards an amazing cause. And it's not just about dating violence. It's about like what we've been talking about. It's about self-love, it's about mental health, it's about critical life skills and giving these tools to the future generations, to the keiki of Hawaii so that they make better decisions than we did so that they're not talking or having to relive their story of abuse. So uh, that is our new donor campaign. Or if you're a business or an individual, Um, it is a thousand dollars and that will help to educate 120 students and you would be hosting four different workshops and you can actually choose the grade level that you want to gift these workshops to whether it's middle school high school or college and to sign up for our new gifting campaign you can visit wsohawaii.org but um, we're really excited about it and again uh, thank you for helping us spread the word but we feel like this will make a huge impact but it won't make a huge impact in your wallet if that makes sense you know so it's affordable so even a college student or a high school student could sign up for it you know just much anybody that just feels like passionate like okay i want to support this local grassroots nonprofit organization we love support and again you can visit wsohawaii.org
2: great we'll make sure to put those um links in 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 the bio for the yes. podcast as well. And yes, everybody you heard Julia, I know it's October and the pumpkin spice latte seems appealing, <laughs> but <laughs> just don't have two of those. Yeah. yeah. Not, not to make light, I'm serious. Just don't have yeah. two of those and yes. you know support you know $16 and and I love the business um idea as well, you know, it's just like if someone really wants to be a part of creating those those workshops for those students. I mean, if you're looking for something to do to be a part of giving back to something like this, this is a great opportunity. It goes directly to the source. So really appreciate all that we've learned today. I'm gonna pass the mic over to Chris to wrap everything up, but I just wanted to thank you from the bottom of my heart because I've oh, learned a lot, I've resonated. Um, I'm, I'll, I'll, I'll be following this organization and I will be keeping up and staying in touch. So I'm so excited. So um, thank you.
1: Yes. And just to add on to that sorry, Kristen is, I'd love to invite you guys, you know, we do two annual fundraisers, we do our third annual golf tournament coming up on April twelfth next year. And we do a really, really fun event cocktails for a cause, where we have a silent auction. And it's just it's a great live music, um, great items. It's, and we're really just creating a community of empowerment. So I'd love to have you guys um, join and again, be speakers because I love what Love Pono is doing. So thank you very much.
0: Awesome. Thank you. Th- and thank you for sharing your events. And I also wanted to ask you, I did um, share with our Love Kono Ambassadors about your self-defense class on October 8th. Is it okay yes. to share a little bit more
1: about that? Yes. So we are doing our first ever self-defense class in honor of National Domestic Violence Awareness Month. We partnered with Empowered Women Hawaii. Uh, they're all females, Black Belt uh, Jiu-Jitsu, and they go around the island and they teach women, uh, the top 20 ways that women are usually attacked. So they're able to provide you with uh, combat. And again, when I say combat, everything that we're going to be teaching on Sunday, October eighth, will be standing. Um, But it's for women of all ages, all athletic abilities, they give you simple tactics to be able to get out of a really bad situation, whether someone is coming up from behind and trying to grab you, grab your arm or pull your hair, or if someone has a weapon. So Uh, We're really excited to be hosting this event with them. Um, Also, our attendees will be able to have uh, healthy bites by Power Healthy Meals. Uh, We partner with Monster, so we'll have energy drinks. And then we're also going to be doing a lot of giveaways. And the most beautiful thing is this entire event is free. It's free to all the women. Even our giveaways, everything is free, free, free. And it's all uh, in honor of National Domestic Violence Awareness Month. And it was really my way to give back and just pour love onto women. So um, again, it's Sunday, October 8th from one to three at Hawaii Pacific University. Uh, if they are interested, follow us at, at WSO Hawaii on IG and they can DM us directly. Uh, the event actually sold out three times. So we're excited because people are loving it, um, but we have opened up a few more spots. So you need to come Chris Lynn, bring the Love Pono ambassadors uh, or email me, but we'd love to have you guys. So we've opened up a few more spots.
0: Awesome. I'm going to encourage everyone to go get their spot, but yes. I will also get my spot now. Now that yes. I I'm, I'm ready. I'm ready though <laughs> because it's really useful, especially especially now. I and and also you can get a meet other women and get a great exercise yes. and learn self defense skills, which is awesome. Mm-hmm. Thank you giveaways,
1: sharing. food, drinks, yes, it's gonna be all good.
0: Awesome. I love that. And also I, I just want to say as we wrap up um, thank you listeners for for being here and um, thank you, Juliet, for sharing your Ike, your knowledge with not only us but anyone listening here and giving the message of hope and, and knowing that you're not alone and and hope is here and hope is alive and um, we have we have great organizations, women speaking out, Love Pono, and other local resources. So I, I just want to thank you from here at Love Pono mm-hmm. for being our guest speaker and sharing with us. And as well, if any listeners want to um have more information, this will be all in our social media and well, as well as our podcast notes. So thank you so much, Juliet, for being on our podcast.
1: Thank you so much. Such an honor.
0: And this is your love Pono episode. And this is Chris, your student Lepono assistant and
2: Alex signing off. Thanks, everybody, for listening. Have a great day.
0: Bye.